Be sure you positively identify your target before you pull the trigger. Tom Flynn. Welcome to Retire Mentorship, your mentor to and through retirement. I'm your host, Freeman Lundy, Certified Financial Planner. Today, we talk about the trouble with target date funds. A lot of people are invested with a lot of money in these target date funds. We'll discuss what they are and the troubles with them. It's coming up on the Retire Mentorship Podcast. First, the two men tune in. Primary points of the podcast in about two minutes. We're going to cover three of the troubles with target date funds today. Target date funds are dumb, dangerous, and default. Number one, target date funds are dumb. The way that target date funds work, they automatically get more conservative, but they do so much too quickly, resulting in pretty poor lifetime returns if you're in them. More than that, they are more expensive than many other types of investing strategies and lead to more mediocre results. Target date funds are dumb. Number two, target date funds are dangerous. If you hold target date funds and you are close to or in retirement, you are in danger of succumbing to one of the worst problems with retirement distributions, selling your equities when they're down. We'll cover why this is so important and why no one who's in retirement should have target date funds. And number three, target date funds are default. After covering some of the issues with target date funds, we'll see why so many people are in them and cover how we can get out and into a better plan. That's coming up on the Retirement Trip Podcast. The Trouble with Target Date Funds Target date funds are a class of mutual funds that are very, very popular in 401ks. I mentioned a few times that a lot of American investors have a lot of their money in their 401k plans or other types of retirement plans, 403bs, profit sharing, all of it. We're going to lump them all for now into 401ks. And One of the options in almost all 401ks today are the options of target date funds. If you're not sure what they are, target date funds are a method of automatically making investments more conservative as people approach retirement. So based on your age and when you've told the system, the 401k or whatever, that you are retiring, it will pick a target date for your retirement. These are almost always in five-year increments. And so if you are saying, hey, I want to retire uh, in when I'm 65 and that is in 2032, it will pick 2030 as your target retirement date and will put you in a 2030 target date fund. Target date funds are easy to identify because they will almost always have a number on them, 2025, 2030, 2055, 2045, whatever it is. And that date corresponds with the target date of the fund. They're not always called target date funds. Sometimes they're called life cycle funds or some other name that the companies have come up with, but they are basically all the same thing, target date funds. Despite them being very popular, I contend that target date funds have many troubles. The first of those troubles is that target date funds are dumb. 
I can recognize when there are other great strategies out there. And maybe even if I wouldn't use them in my financial planning practice, I can at least admit when other ideas are good or at least close to as good as the ones that we use. There are such a thing as having two strategies that are just as good as each other, even though you can't use them both. Target date funds do not fall into that category. Target date funds are dumb for a number of reasons, but primarily because they get way too conservative way too fast. So most target date funds start at 90% equities and 10% fixed income, meaning that if you are you know, younger, if you are 20 years or 25 years out from retirement and you are put into a target date fund, regardless of what the number is, as long as you're 20 to 25 years out from that date, they will be the same. So 2055 and 2060 target date funds look the same, and they probably look the same as 2045 as well. All of those will have 90% equities and 10% fixed income in them. Then, as you approach retirement, usually starting about 20 years out, it will start gradually introducing more fixed income and phasing out the equity portion of the mutual fund. The idea is that as we approach retirement, you need to get more conservative. You need to preserve your principal and be more concerned about volatility. And so you should be more conservative. We covered this issue a little bit in episode two, the principal problem. Target date funds are an example of the great misunderstanding that your volatility in your investments is the thing that you should fear the most. It is not. Nonetheless, as these funds get closer to the target date, they will get more quote-unquote conservative, more fixed income, less equities. And here's an issue that I have with it. If you really understand investing and really understand how it works over the long term, one, there's probably no reason you should have 10% fixed income over your whole lifetime. 10% of your money compounded at half the returns over a lifetime will result in far less investments at the end than if you'd been in 100% equities, especially during your early years. I want to make this quite clear. This is not investment advice. We don't give investment advice on this podcast. You should not take investment advice from someone who doesn't know you or your situation. I want to challenge, though, your knowledge of finances and help you think differently. So don't go out and switch all your funds to 100% equities without understanding or having an overall investment plan just because I said I don't think people should hold fixed income when they're young. That being said, I don't believe they should think a true investment plan that you really understand and believe in most likely will not contain any fixed income for your investments when you've got decades before you need them. You can withstand the volatility. There's no reason to have 10% of it in fixed income. The next problem is that they get way too conservative way too fast. Equities are basically always over fixed income over 20 and 25 year periods. You can find very narrow, very narrow slivers where fixed income might have beaten out equities over a 20-year time frame. But if you were just to expand that, even just a couple of months, equities will have overtaken that. Basically, the only time that happens is when you find the very bottom of a bear market and go back 20 years. Potentially, during that 20-year time frame, equities would have underperformed fixed income. But the vast, vast majority of situations... They don't. 
And so to start getting more conservative 20 to 25 years out is, in my opinion, too soon. A good investment plan that you fully understand and are fully committed to, such as the ones we create for our clients, would probably have you add more fixed income at about 10, maybe at the most 15 years out. But we typically say 5 to 10 years out, you should be getting more fixed income in your portfolio. As long as you understand the volatility, if you have the appropriate volatile IQ, your volatility quotient, your ability to withstand volatility, and have an overall robust investment plan, you should not need to introduce fixed income to your retirement investments until about 5 to 10 years out. So the fact that target date funds begin introducing more fixed income 20 to 25 years out is, in my opinion, dumb. And I don't think any robust financial or investment plan that you are fully committed to should be getting that conservative that quickly. And these target date funds are automatic. means no matter where we are at in the market cycle, whether we're in a bear market or a bull market, they will automatically start getting more conservative at the scheduled time, which means that, you know, at the year when it is supposed to shift from 90% equities and 10% fixed income to 85-15, it might sell off 5% of your equities in a down year. Why would you do that? The worst thing you can do is to sell equities when they're down. But these things are set on automatic and most of them will still execute these types of transitions from equities to fixed income at a poor time. More than all that, one more reason why target date funds are dumb is that they are more expensive. If you're going to choose an automatic and default way to invest, target date funds are not the way to do it. They have higher internal expense ratios than a lot of the other funds that you have out there and, from all these other issues, don't provide good benefits in exchange for those fees. I am not opposed to paying fees if the value is there. What I'm opposed to is paying needless fees when you don't have to. And target date funds do contain quite a bit of needless fees. You could create your own schedule. Even if you want it to get that conservative that fast, you could create your own and do it yourself for a lot less in investment fees. To me, target date funds are like taking a bus. You can take a bus from just about anywhere in the country to just about anywhere in the country but it's pretty slow. It will get you there and you will not have to pay attention. You can do whatever else you want while you're on the bus. You can be on your phone. You can watch YouTube videos. You can do whatever and it will get you there. It will just take forever and is not by any means the most efficient way of getting somewhere. Much better way to do it would be to learn how to drive or even to hire an Uber to get you there. Yes, it may take more time and attention and you may have to focus on what you're doing, but you will get there much faster. So I am not a fan of target date funds. I think they're dumb. They start off way too conservative. They get more conservative way too quickly. And they're too expensive for what you're getting. Target date funds are dumb. Point number two, target date funds are dangerous. So here's the basic philosophy, which we will flesh out a little bit more in a future episode. Equities are volatile. Over the long term, nothing beats their returns, but over the short term, they can go up, down, or sideways, and there's no telling which of those they're going to do. Often, we'll talk about equities in our financial planning practice as red money or red bucket, 
Think of it as fire. It rages up and down, constantly moving, constantly adjusting, and you never know exactly where the flames are going to be. They're red like fire. Fixed income is a little bit different. It's more like water. We call it our blue bucket, our blue money in our financial planning practice. It might ripple. It might go up and down a little bit, but it's going to be a lot more stable, maybe some waves even, but that's nothing compared to the raging of a fire. And over time, it will not get you near the returns that equities will, but it'll be a lot less volatile in the process. If you want growth, equities or red bucket trumps blue bucket all day long. And as we talked about in episode two, your need for growth doesn't end at retirement. Your need for growth ends at your death. The whole time you are alive, inflation will be working against your capital and you need growth to overcome that. The differences in retirement versus in accumulation is that you might need to sell some of your red bucket. You may need to sell some of your equities to raise cash to spend on your daily expenses and wants. And so what you need to make sure you do in your retirement investment plan is to have other buckets of money you can pull from. We talk about it as having red buckets and blue buckets of money in retirement. Your red bucket is going to be your equities. It's going to grow and it's going to outpace inflation on average over the life of your retirement and your spouse's retirement and onto your children and charities. It makes up the bulk of your investments and will do most of the heavy lifting. But we also need a blue bucket of money, a group of fixed income investments that are not as volatile. Because while on average, red bucket is up four out of five years, it's also down one of those five years. And if we want to preserve our equities, we need to make sure we don't sell them when they're down. And if we have to sell investments to get money, that means we need something else to be able to sell in order to raise that cash. And therefore, we need a blue bucket, a group of money that is not as volatile and that will if it is down, will not be down nearly as much as our red bucket so that we can pull from it when red bucket is down. So four to five years, we'll be pulling our money out of our red bucket, which has been doing great and growing. And one out of five years, we'll pull money from our blue bucket. And we'll pull from our blue bucket as long as we need to while we wait for our red bucket to come back. Historically, every bear market, every time the market has gone down, it has been followed by a bull market, the market raging back. We saw this played out rather quickly in 2020. The market went barreling down and came flying right back up to new highs. If you had a lot of red bucket, even in retirement, during that period, and as long as you didn't sell it, you were okay. Yes, the value of your red bucket will go down. It will fluctuate, and sometimes it will go down very fast and very far. But if you hold on to it and don't sell, it will come back. Always has, and we believe although we cannot know that it always will in the future. But if you had to pull money out, if you had monthly expenses in 2020 and you were pulling out of your investments monthly to cover those, or in 2008 and 2009 when the market was still down or any other bear market, then you would be forced to sell your red bucket when it was down. We don't want to do that. The worst thing you can do with equities is to sell them or be forced to sell them when their value is down. We only want to sell high. And so you need a blue bucket in retirement. You cannot enter retirement, or at least should not enter retirement, with 
Red bucket, 100% equities. That's foolish. And you will, especially if you experience a large bear market early on in your retirement, you will suffer the consequences of having to withdraw money when it is down. You need a red and a blue bucket in retirement. Here's the problem with target date funds. They are a purple bucket. And they are a bucket that gets purpler as it goes. Starts off fairly red and more and more blue is added to the bucket until it is a deep shade of violet. Which, other than the fact that it's reducing your growth in your accumulating years, is maybe not that dangerous while you're putting money into it. But it becomes outright deadly when you reach retirement. By the time you're in retirement, they're often 60, 40 to maybe even 50% of each red and blue equities and fixed income. You have a solid 50-50 violet bucket. And when, not if, the market is down, your red bucket is down in retirement, if all you have is a purple bucket to draw from, that means when you need money and you're pulling it out, you are by default selling your equities when they're down. If your bucket is 50% blue and 50% red and you are pulling money out of it when the red portion of it is down 30 or 40%, you are selling when it's down. You are making the grave most critical error of investing. We talked about the four horsemen in episode four and how the most deadly of them all is a fourth horseman, panic, selling your investments when the market is down. And we've talked a number of times about how deadly this can be and how to build your beliefs so that you can avoid this. The dangerous part about target date funds is you don't even need to panic to sell your investments when they're down. It will happen automatically as you sell out of your purple bucket that is 50-50. You have no options when you are in a target date fund in retirement. When you sell, you are selling half red and half blue. Dangerous and deadly. You don't want a purple bucket, especially not in retirement. You want a red bucket and you want a blue bucket. You want those to be separate. Even if you have your accounts all mixed into one, your equities and your fixed income in one account to kind of balance out or to somewhat mask the volatility of your red investments, you still want them separate. You don't want them inside the same fund. Because you cannot access the blue when the red is down, and you cannot take advantage of the red when it's up. Target date funds are dangerous, if not deadly. No one who is in retirement or 5 to 10 years out from retirement should own target date funds. I don't think anyone should at all, but especially not people in that situation. If that's you and you have target date funds, you need an investment plan immediately. Or if your parents are approaching retirement and still have 401ks, you should check with them to see if they have target date funds because they are in for a world of hurt if they retire with target date funds and hit a bear market early on. It's a recipe for disaster. Target date funds are dangerous. Target date funds are dumb. Target date funds are dangerous. And point number three, target date funds are default. They are the main option, the default option, the thing everyone is put into if they don't choose their own investments when they enter a 401k. 
You've likely realized by now that the financial industry is famous for its jargon and for its alphabet soup. I'm going to teach you one more today. The QDIA, or Qualified Default Investment Alternative. Only the financial industry could come up with something so complicated. The QDIA is nothing short of the default that investors are put into if they don't choose their own investments when entering a 401k. The QDIA is the bing of investments. Look, everyone knows that Google is the best search engine. Everyone uses Google. You Google things. You don't Yahoo search them or DuckDuckGo them. You Google them. Google is the best. And yet, one of the most popular search engines out there is Bing, the search engine developed by Microsoft. And many of us wonder, why is Bing a thing? Why is it even around? It's terrible. Why do so many people use it? The same can be said of Microsoft Edge, formerly Microsoft Explorer, the junky internet browser that is default on Windows devices. And that's just it. It's the default. Despite the fact that we have Google Chrome and Safari and Firefox, Microsoft Edge is still a very popular web browser. And Bing is still a very popular search engine. Why? Because Microsoft Edge is the default web browser for new Windows devices, and Bing is the default search engine for Microsoft Edge. And so not because anybody wants to use them, thousands and thousands of people do because they buy a new Windows device and the defaults are set and they don't know how to change them or never get around to doing so. And thus, very junky products become very popular because they are the default. Target date funds are the bing of investments. People have them because they are there by default, not because they are great options. Either you choose your own investments or you will be put in the bing of investments. The other problem with them being the default is that they're really just there as a CYA for 401k companies. To cover their butts. It's a little like the risk tolerance questionnaires we covered in the last couple of weeks, where they seem to be built at first for the benefit of the investor, but in the end are to cover the butts of the investment firms. Too many people thought that they were in too risky of investments, so they created target date funds to automatically make people more conservative and less likely to panic out in a bear market. That way, the companies are being sued less by angry consumers after they sell out at the worst possible time. And while target date funds may be better than a lot of other strategies, such as selling in a bear market or holding completely fixed income for your entire life, they are by no means the best investment plan and you should get a real plan instead of opting for the default. Target date funds are default, they are dangerous, and they are dumb. Don't fall for a target date fund. Get a real investment plan. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at retirementorship.com. Or you can call 1-855-6-MENTOR and leave us a message. We'll get back to you directly, or if we get enough of the same questions, we will make it an episode. In the coming weeks, we will be talking about how to make an investment and financial plan or what you should be looking for in those who are making them for you. That's it for this episode. 
Remember, don't do the defaults. There are troubles with target date funds. We'll see you next week. This podcast is educational only and is not intended to be investment, legal, or tax advice or recommendations, whether direct or incidental. Again, this is not investment advice. Consult your financial, tax, and legal professionals for specific advice related to your specific situation. Never take investment advice from someone who doesn't know you and your specific situation. All opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the speakers expressing them. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Retirement mentorship is not affiliated with or controlled by any registered investment advisor, broker-dealer, or other financial services company.